Internet, hello! Man, we got a treat for you today. It's Mike and Andy here, and uh, hello. and we've got a, uh, a guest uh, podcaster, a fellow podcaster. As a ge- we're, we're guests on his show. He's a guest on our show. Uh, and, and it's really kind of a fun, fun thing that we're going to do because um, Mark is uh, from SoCal. He is a punk rocker. He was uh, in involved and still is in in two what two of the most influential punk bands is that uh, Christian punk bands would you say that's yeah accurate Mark is kind of known as a kind of the godfather of like the Christian punk hardcore music scene yeah kind of started in the I believe like mid to late eighties um, right. so uh, he was in the band Crucified and then uh, and then uh, Stave Saker which is yes. extremely well known and yes. a large band yeah so Mark uh, Mark was on another podcast that. Um, uh, it's called Pastor with No Answers. Correct. And he was invited into a discussion with a podcaster named Godless. Right. Who has his own podcast called Metal Sucks. Right. And and so they have this conversation um, that that is podcasted over two parts on the Pastor with No Answers podcast. Right. Am I getting this right? Yep, you got it. And then and then Mark, I, I guess uh, Mark knew of us. And um, knew me from a church called Rock Harbor years ago, and so he reached out and said, "Hey, could could he felt like it was a total catastrophe on his end, and so he reached out and said, "Hey, could we have a conversation about this other conversation that I had?" And so um, we have listened to the that Pastor with No Answers uh, podcast a couple of times, and then he's going to join us today, and we're just going to talk about that conversation. So, yeah. Andy, can you put the links? Yep. Uh, to it on if you want to listen to this yeah the first part is kind of mellow and and it's and it's uh it's really funny and then the second part things get a little tense right and right. and that's where mark um even you'll hear him talk today about he felt like he could have done some things differently and the point isn't to rehab this conversation with with godless or to bash atheists or whatever because i know some of you are out there listening which i just totally love but it's to talk more about how do we have conversations like this, right? And to try to to keep Mark from jumping off a ledge, yeah, uh, <laughs> which is near doing after this thing. <laughs> Mark Mark is just one of the greatest guys. He is so fun, yeah, and he loves Jesus very much and wanted and, and wants to really represent him well. So this is a fun conversation we've had. Please, um, he has a podcast called Never Was. Um, pastors with no answers is the podcast that he did with this guy named Godless who has a podcast and it's on, on our podcast. So it's like this intermingling of, of it's like a podcast f- about other podcasts yes. or something that happened in other podcasts. Yeah, so, so anyway, this is a fun conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Well, thank you for responding to my email. I mean, I, when I sent it to you, I honestly didn't know if it was going to go into a large file of multiple questions so (laughs) stoked that i actually heard back and that we have a chance to talk i mean ultimately this is about uh a nightmare (laughs) that i had in real life but we've all had them i found myself in a debate that i you know i knew it was a debate but i don't think i really knew it was a debate right right and i certainly didn't think much about it you know i think partially the problem and this is definitely something that uh i wanted to talk about in this conversation is this tendency of of 
people raised in the church in America, and I only say that because I wasn't raised in the church in anywhere else. Right. Um, people raised in the church in America to see debates as this opportunity for our own uh, pride to have the satisfaction of being victorious, to display my power and my valor and my intellect. And yeah, the truth was, is... You were 0 for 4. I am not that guy. <laughs> I'm much better, uh, you know. I'm much better at at making sure that my dog doesn't go to the bathroom in the house. That's that's important. Like that. So you know, part of my 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 issue, I think, is just even entering into a situation like that, sort of somewhat blind, uh, partially blinded by my own expectations. Um, but also, I just really wasn't ready for a debate. I was ready for a conversation. Right. But, you know, I should have known better, really. Yeah, but, but here's, you know, when, when you reached out, the thing that was so compelling, bro, was um, the idea that we, we wanted to have a conversation about the conversation. Because I think we've all been in situations, maybe not as public, um, where we walk away from that conversation and just go, dang it. Yeah. I should have I oh, should yeah. have said this. I could have yeah. said that. I didn't know what I was getting into. And so I think it's really cool to be able to kind of go back and revisit um, that conversation because it's it's for me, it's not so much about the the individual you were having a conversation with. It's more about when we find ourselves in those places, what are uh, what are the kinds of ways we want to, make Jesus beautiful in the way we respond, right? E- even when right. We're, we're in over our head or we're unprepared or, or whatever it is. So I just thought it was so cool that you, you, were, you were willing to kind of revisit it because it was fascinating for me to spend, um, I've listened to him twice uh, oh, and again wow. yesterday um, and just wrote a bunch of notes. You know, I just thought, yeah. I thought there were many great parts to it. And I didn't think it was nearly as horrifying as you thought, but I see why you felt that way. Yeah. Well, it just, it, at certain points, it starts to feel like everything. I mean, I'm not kidding. I get tunnel vision so bad. I get it in everyday life and in confrontations. I get it in situations like this. I'm, I'm much, in, in all honesty, I feel much more comfortable just with a, an exchange of emails, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think that's what we've all grown accustomed to that. We can yeah. say whatever we want without pushback in the moment. And we, we think that's the most clear way to, well, to yeah, get a and, point across. And truthfully, I'm not afraid of the response of somebody as much as I'm afraid of, of misstating my own position right. or, or even just saying something stupid and hurting somebody's feelings or, I don't know, putting on airs. There's, there's no room for it. There's no... There's nothing is served by that, so I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's important. I mean, you guys have mentioned it in our in our talks leading up to this, and I'm definitely wanting to say it now. Like this is not uh, a chance to go back and really get godless with a zinger, or you know, that's there's again pointless. There's no reason for that, right. and I'm I really just want to explore the conversation and. Um, and have you put words in my mouth to make me sound smarter. Okay. Well, I'm just going to quote from C.S. Lewis, who <laughs> evidently is a complete idiot. <laughs> but at least he sounds good. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I... as, you went, as you went back, um, I, love, I love the idea that, that anytime it's an official debate, we're more concerned with winning and looking good than yeah. we are with actually exploring 
where the other one's coming from. So I love that as opposed to conversation where it's much, much less about me versus somebody else. So that's a huge thing. But when you were when you were going back and listening to it, what were what were some of the things that uh, caused you to feel the way that you did coming out of it? I would I think the real the thing that sticks in my head all the time is my my position on on the authority of God has always been looked at as sort of cold and calloused and I don't see it that way <laughs> but I know other people do and I want to communicate that better and I feel that I didn't communicate that very well in our conversation I mean I still maintain even going back and listening to it I still maintain that the only logical way of looking at morality is that there is a final authority on morality. And I'm sorry to have to do this, but that is definitely something I learned from C.S. Lewis. Right. <laughs> so as you can imagine, from step one of a, of a debate I wasn't truly prepared for, to have one of my biggest sources of, <laughs> of explanation just shot down as a fool. Instantly. Yeah. It was a little distracting, you know? <laughs> and again, that's a debate tactic that I'm not familiar with, I think. Sure. Which is fine. It's, you know, truth is truth, so it shouldn't matter. And I believe that that's true. I, 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 cannot, I cannot accept a universal morality, uh, and especially not one that's described as, as having empathy for other people, when we're not universal, we're not universal people. We're, we're speaking from the perspective of Americans in a safe place with uh, running water and food right. to eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, yeah. to me, that's an incomplete picture, but well, I feel it's like- not only incomplete, but it felt inconsistent in the following respect. There's no evolutionary advantage to empathy. There's, if you take, for me, if you take Imago Dei, the image of godness out of human dignity, then there's utterly no consistent, for me, basis for the treatment of other human beings that are weaker. Oh. Um, there's, no, there's no absolute uh, sort of authority to decry racism or sexism or, you know, to, to say the disabled should have a place at the table. And, and so, you know, I don't, uh, the idea of, as you were kind of putting words to the idea that there is this bedrock thing, I don't think I was listening to that going, yeah, I mean, how, how C.S. Lewis has this great line. How can you tell a crooked line unless you have a straight one? Right. And so yeah. how, how, as somebody who says that all morality is community-based, how can you then use your community-based morality to critique another community's morality right, right? there's right. just there there's sure. absolutely no and so you were i think you were you were onto something there what what part did you feel like was cold the slavery bit well more the, you know going back and listening there's there's this whole long passage which i'm sure i'll drop in here going back and listening to it there was a a, a part of the discussion regarding you know holding down your child and giving your child a shot. Right. And maybe, you, you know, trying to explain to your child, this is good for you. Right. And, and to where Godless made a, a great comment, are you equating that to uh, the death of a child and God saying, hey, this was meant for your good or the suffering of any, any person 
as as your God saying, hey, this is a bigger picture type of situation. You know, that to me, my response to that could be seen as somewhat cold, you know, just to like, hey, if this is the divine will of the definer of righteousness and evil and the definer of goodness and love, then yes. Yeah. You know, I know that's seen by a lot of people as a cop out, but I I can't see it any other way. Give me another way of seeing it. No, it, it, here's know. what's funny. This is as old as Greek philosophy. Is if the gods, as they would say, or we would say, God, if the if God is defined and and um, held to account by something called the good then the good is greater than God and, and God, it, it boundaries God. In, in other words, mm-hmm. it exists apart from God, whatever this good is. Or is it, and this is what you were, were kind of hinting at, this sort of divine fiat. Uh, if God says it, um, then by definition, it's good. Right. Even right. if it, uh, it offends whatever moral sensibilities we may be carrying in American culture in you know, 2016. That is a hundred percent where I'm at. Yes, that's where my but, mind. But that, but the, it's fascinating because this has been a, a discussion uh, about the divine's relationship to the good for literally thousands of years. And so, you guys, when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. And 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 so that's you know, if I were, um, if I were in a similar situation, well, I I always answer the problem of evil a bit differently. I always. Uh, and and I don't know where you are, like on the whole predestination. You know, is everything God's will? I, I'm very much uh, in favor of libertarian free will, which which means that there are other wills that are done on earth and in heaven, other mm-hmm. than God's. And not obviously, it's a hugely controversial theological position, but it allows me to say, listen, um, what you said when you said about the parent holding the child down, is that it is possible to have good intentions uh, to be compatible with uh, a subject not picking up on those good intentions, but instead picking up on the action at the moment that hurts. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's compatible. And that's a legitimate point. Then the extrapolation, which is what Godless called you on, was, okay, can you extrapolate that to the Holocaust? Can you extrapolate that you know, to uh, the genocide in Rwanda. Can you say then that God, that there's some greater good that this is going to serve and that's why God did it. And so for me, God doesn't cause any of those things, but God uses them. So the way we say it, and I don't know if this would have helped or even you would agree with it, is that God is good, evil is evil. And God, God, God's commitment is to sovereignly bring good out of evil. So um, the, the place I would, I would, change maybe the the scenario a little bit would be from yes as a parent i'm holding my kid down and my intentions are loving and good and kind even though my kid doesn't receive them as such you're saying hey you know 10 years from now they'll actually see that what i was doing was good and in their best interest no such picture exists unless you're going to play the eternity card that someday in light of eternity we'll see how this whole thing fit together and that to people, yes, does feel cold, but but it's a very tenable theological and philosophical position, right? And the, some of the biblical writers say, you know, we're the clay, he's the potter, shut your yap, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's where we? I'm at, man. Who are we? 
But I also think the Bible opens up the possibility that evil is something that God doesn't intend ever, but that God permits in the name of freedom, which he permits in the name of love. And that his commitment isn't to um, sovereignly like do something bad to people in order to bring about a good, but rather he will bring about a good when bad things do happen. So I, I for instance, have a little boy with Down syndrome and, and uh, I, I had, when he was first diagnosed in utero, I had these huge conversations with a friend of mine who was saying, isn't it amazing that God would give you a child with Down syndrome? Right. Think about all he's going to teach you. And, right. and I was going, Really? So your picture of God is that he's given me a child with Down syndrome to teach me something. And that seems a bit like center of the universe, you know, narcissistic Super to me. Super morbid, yeah. So, but I was like, well, couldn't it be we live in a fallen world where birth defects happen or genetic abnormalities happen and it's not God up there causing it or picking and choosing, but rather it's God committing to bring good out of whatever it is that we would think to be evil. So, so I don't know if that helps reframes or anything. No, it does. I think what would, what would come back in that conversation and which came back in, in the debate that we had was godless's point would, or counterpoint better would be if this God is so good, why would he even allow any of that to happen in the first place why wouldn't he come in and save the day and but that's you know, when you're but that's when your parent child example takes off because if the greatest what's the greatest thing that god's interested in he's interested in cooperative participants that's why he mm -hmm. made us from the very beginning of the scriptures it was we were not autonomous uh, autonomons Ottomans. Ottomans. We were not robots. I, we were not I know Ottomans. where you're going. Ottomans? Otto? Dang it. We were not robots. We were not puppets. Right. And in the universe that God chose to actualize, love is the greatest value. And love has to exist with freedom. Freedom is a prerequisite of love, right? Okay. Love has to be freely chosen. It can never be compelled. It's never because then it, it's never love. I mean, in the way that God created the relational universe to reflect His own inner relationality and in, in His trinitarian self, God actualized the universe where love is the greatest value. Love requires freedom. Freedom then requires choice. So yes, God could, as an act of brute power. Have stopped Hitler, have um, have stopped me from sinning all the countless times I've heard other people. He could absolutely stop murders. And, and who's to say he doesn't? I mean, I don't know. Um, uh, I believe that, that, that prayer actually affects the things that go on. And so I believe there are things that God would do, but doesn't because his people have not cried out to him. And uh, of course, that would feed Godless's point of, well, I mean, how dumb is that? Right. But see, for me, the thing that 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 I, I picked up on was the the whole vision that many people have of what a relationship with Jesus is like and what it's for wasn't um, he 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 had this uh, and it's not specific to him. This is just true all over the place, even in the church. He had he had something that it, it felt very contractual. It's like if God is like this, then God should do this. Right. And he spells that out and you kept calling him on it. Dude, that's just, that's just you. You're just importing your own morality onto this whole conversation, which, which is a fair critique. Right. It does happen all the time. That's how people try to figure stuff out. Yep. But, um, oh, dang it. I lost my point. <laughs> 
Andy, thank you. Sorry. Autonomon. Uh, Autonomon. Oh, you were talking about contractual uh, setup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's kind of like marriage. We can edit that so that you sound super eloquent. No, 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 because no, then people would know it's edited. <laughs> <laughs> right? My, phone, my, my, uh, my wife called in our last podcast, and so we had to pick it up. So it's, it, it's uh, anyway, all that is to say, it felt very much like, um, and again, I'm sure he would disagree with even this characterization, and, but I think he, but this characterization represents a lot of the way people approach this. That um, this thing is a contract and the contract is me doing religious things and God blessing and taking care of me. Mm-hmm. And the biblical picture of faith is much more rugged. It involves much more mystery and paradox and tension. It's much more relational. It's covenantal, obviously. And it's not an all or nothing thing. In other words, listen, if you disagree with, and you and you said this, I think in part one, you said, listen, my faith doesn't hinge on how old the earth is or Noah and the ark for crying out loud, right? The whole, the yeah. whole thing rests on who Jesus is. And if Jesus is what God does in response to suffering, then that's the best answer of suffering you're ever going to get, right? Right. That he weeps, that he absorbs evil, takes it in upon himself, um, that he, even knowing the end of the story, he laments over Lazarus. I mean, it's the most beautiful picture of God. It's the opposite of cold. And, and, but you have Jesus saying the whole time, listen, I'm just doing what the father does, right? That's all I'm doing. I'm not, nothing's original here. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things that, that maybe in that conversation, I would have, I would have began to sort of redirect towards is what, what did Jesus do in response to the evil that he was encountering? And what did that look like? And what does that say about what God's like? Because We have to move from our abstract, what the Bible forces us to do is to move from abstract definitions of God to this person that says, here's what God looks like with clothes on. Here's what God looks like with skin on, right? This Mm -hmm. Jesus character. Mm -hmm. And he's the center of the whole thing. So it doesn't matter what you think about evolution or science or whatever else. Those are all battles we can have somewhere down the road. To me, the whole thing is, look look at, if this is what God's like, this is the best news we've ever ever had. Okay. So, so I feel like you were absolutely right in, in holding the cons- consistent position that if God is God, God has every right to tell me what's right and what's wrong. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I just, I think, what, I think what ends up happening is things are, inver- they're just inevitably going to go back to the individual whom you're speaking to is, is going to ask, yeah, but why, but why, why is this happening? And for me, I think what I, one thing that I really missed there was, was the opportunity to continue that question. You know, we could say all these things and God, you know, if he's the definer of right and wrong and all those types of things are true, and then it, it can still come back. A person could still respond with, yeah, but if, that that doesn't change the fact that I'm hurting or that I'm I am in pain and that 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 I'm my heart is broken, you know? And yep. I think that's a valid that's a valid question and it's something that we as Christian people need to not only um acknowledge but try and answer. And that's where my coldness I think comes in is that I don't Sometimes I just don't answer it because to me, it's it's such a much larger question, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could say, 
you could sit there and be like, okay, well, yeah, that's all great and everything, but I, this still hurts and it's still no fun to be a slave, and et cetera, et cetera. To right. which I, what an aggressive debater, if I was an aggressive debater, I would say, okay, cool. So what are you doing about it? And right. why is it that you get to live in a country where we can have this conversation right. out in the open right. and no one will come in and set you on fire? You well, and, and I, I think, you know, one of the things, if I can use a football analogy. Oh, you can. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, and I will. Um, That's where I go make a sandwich. I know. Andy's, Andy's, Andy's a hockey <laughs> guy. Fine. So, um, is that is that that you were playing a lot of defense and no offense? And yeah, so I said, I'm just not that guy, man. I know, I'm not... no, no, no. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's not. Listen, I, I. This is nothing. This is nothing about you interacting with him as individuals. This is more. If I were, if I, if I were in that conversation with you, I'd have just been going, okay, so let's let's play suffering out on your worldview. Right. Right. There is no hope. There is no meaning. There is no significance. There is no greater good. It just sucks to be you. That's it. <laughs> you just, you hit the unlucky lottery. It sucks to be you. And that's all we can say. That's right. all we can say. See, so that, to see that, me, that to me is like almost, it bums me out. That that's, that's really the only way that it goes in my head. You know, yes. sucks to be you. Magic didn't work out for you. Yes. Yes. You know. And 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 so so and and then the other thing. Now again, I'm getting into the, the debatey part. I mean, if we're having a beer, it's a different it's a different conversation because then it's then it's like, dude, tell me about tell me about how the church disappointed you. Tell me about how God let yeah. you down because he's let me down too. Right? That if 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 certainty is what we're after with Jesus, we'll never have it. And if 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 not ever hurting is what we're after with Jesus, then we'll never have it. See, that's that's the contractual idea of faith that I think was kind of at root of some of the questions that were sitting behind this. It's like we're, we're talking about two different things. Mm -hmm. The covenantal faith in Jesus has nothing to do with whether or not bad things happen to you. It, it has to do with this greater work that God's doing because of its fallenness to put creation back together. Now, all kinds of questions with that, but my point is... Listen, if if the goal of biblical faith is to get out of pain, man, we're in trouble. That's not that's not biblical faith at all, unless you're you know some prosperity person. But for me, and, wait and this a minute, is, wait a minute. You're telling me that I'm not going to be rich? <laughs> More than you are? Here? No, no. I know it's Shit. shocking. I know, bro. I'm with you. I'm with you. I've sent my seed money into TBN so many times. I made my nothing. vows, dude. Don't you dare discredit my vows. Okay, I'm sorry. I just I completely derailed that. <laughs> no, this is so good, Mark. Um, the other thing that, and this is a, a Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, you know, sort of sort morons. of point, morons, morons. Um, sort of point is: listen, why are you protesting so much? What isn't your protest evidence of the fact that you know it shouldn't be this way? Isn't your broken heart evidence of the fact that you know that relationships shouldn't be this way? Huh. Isn't all the energy you're spending in antagonism? See, I find I find a lot of atheists to be incredibly spiritual people because of how much they think about the God they don't believe in and how much they protest against the God they don't think is real. And I find that I find that incredibly interesting when I'm around people like that because they they spend more time thinking about it than a lot of religious people do. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> and so, hmm. so to me, I'm hearing all of this and I'm going, where, where's that coming from? I mean, to me, that is all evidence of the fact that we know we were made for something bigger. And, and he's protesting, at least it sounded like it. And, and, and again, nothing against him at all. I, I thought it was beautiful, some of the things he was saying. But it's protesting the God that should be there and wasn't. Right. The faith that should have sustained me and didn't. And the one option he's not considering, at least I didn't hear considered, was that the, what the conception of faith he'd bought into wasn't the right one from the very beginning. And hmm. that that one was bound to disappoint him. And that conception of God was bound to be hurtful to him. Because, he was, because whatever it was he was presented with wasn't the real, true, good, and beautiful gospel of Jesus to begin with. Yeah. So, and again, you couldn't get into any of that. And I'm not, bro, I'm not saying you should have said any of this. I'm just commenting as I'm hearing you comment on that conversation going, man, I, I think that as, as our listeners go back and listen to it, we'll all find ourselves there, man. Just in, yeah. a, in a conversation, it's like, dude, what, what, what in the world? Well, okay, here, let me, uh, let me sort of change things up just a little bit. And I'm trust shocked. Me, that's... <laughs> But it's also it's a continuance of that of that of what you just said. As far as like the 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 gospel that he heard wasn't the right one from the beginning. Yes, okay? a point was made during the debate um, about the New Testament versus the Old Testament, and why is you know if if. God is this definer of good and evil or a definer oh, of yes. righteousness. This and was how, huge. How come he, how, how can he change? You know, did he change? Because why is the new Testament so different from the old Testament? And then of course the age old slavery, yeah. which I had to go back and listen to. And I have to say this because I wasn't sure I was so frustrated during this conversation that, I would forget things that I actually said or tried to say. Yeah, yeah. That's... I did try to make the point of bond servants versus slaves. And mm -hmm. I've, I've done some research on it and just to know. The, the problem that many of us get into, and this is really more about getting yourself stuck in a debate type of situation, is a confidence in the things that you believe and a confidence in, in what you've learned and making sure that you remember it. I'm not a fan of... I am an apologetics A plus student. I have all these terms. I think we saw during that conversation that those terms do not help. Right. And, and really, you know, the, the, the silver bullet Christian apologetics thing has always been sort of horseshit for me. I don't, I don't see it as playing out in the real world practically. You know, yeah. I think of the, I think of the scene in Napoleon Dynamite when, you know, Rex Quando is trying to show <laughs> how to oh, I'm in. <laughs> you had to for good this about way, it. the arm is out perfectly straight, the knife is coming down, you know, those types of de defenses are pointless. But I think he was, you know, his his point was, why is this god so different? You're saying he's this loving God and that he doesn't change. Why is he so different in the New Testament as he is from the Old Testament? And then there's this sort of blanket. He encourages slavery. Right. And he, you know, he teaches uh, people to rape and pillage, et cetera, et cetera. So, right. you know, when we talked earlier about, you know, when you walk away from a conversation, oh, why didn't I say that? You know? Yes, yes. 
Always. This this is one of those big ones where I, you know, I tried to say again, I sort of retreated and said, "Hey man, if 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 this is the will of God, I'm I'm I I have to simply accept it." You know, I think that's an incomplete answer on my part and definitely not only did I fail in in the debate, but I think I failed him in giving a, a good explanation and a good defense of of the truth. You know, I wasn't trying, I, I wasn't attempting hard enough to to go for an opportunity there as opposed to just explaining something away. Does that make sense? It does, but could I could I push back just a little bit on the idea that you failed? Well, and and only because let's say, I mean, let's let's play this out three or four different ways. Was there anything you could have said that would have satisfied him? I just needed better zingers, man. Zingers. Nope. See, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I think. I think for a lot of, and I'm not saying this about him. I don't know him at all. Um, but I think a lot of people have settled on that issue, and no matter what kind of answer you give, it's it's never going to meet the criteria. I mean, he even said that a couple of times. God knows right. what would make me believe. I don't even know what would make me believe. So, so one idea is that success means I can answer every question to their satisfaction. That's just not true. You'll never be able to do that. Even if you gave the best answer you could give, Mark, I don't know that he would have said, oh, okay, that totally makes sense. Second thing is in the environment. So the debate environment, nobody has, a, has nobody's going to change their mind in that public forum. Um <laughs> And, and, and to me, the, the, the idea that success there would have meant you being able to have a good comeback, I just go, I don't know, man. One of the things I, I liked about what you did is that you were trying to maintain the integrity of your convictions alongside of respecting him and not, you know, not doing the Christian judgment thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if those are two values you're carrying in it's tough to really go on attack mode um like you could have and so so for me you know if 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 somebody says well what about the difference in the testaments i always say okay well give me an example now he would have had one uh i i just always i find it interesting that a lot of people don't you know people like will say hey there you know the bible's full of contradictions i'm like great let's hear one right right and that's just something they heard somewhere and that's just you know that's just a, a cheap little you know, um, but what were you going to say something, Annie? Well, I was going to say, I, I think uh, on the debate, it, it, it was kind of like not so much it was contradiction, but it seemed morally opposing. You know, it's like you have God leading Israel and wiping out nations for Israel's sake to take over a land. Right. And then you have Jesus on the other side saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And, it, you know, it's like it's like that's it's like he's you know Jesus is advocating for like, no, don't murder. In fact, right. like love those who would. Right. And so I think that that to me is a very clear picture of like, OK, that seems opposing. Yeah. So like how and I think it's like, how do we reconcile that? Yes. What, and it's like if because if, if, we have a lot of folks out there who hold Old Testament ideas to future truth and current truth, which right. seems to oppose what Jesus said. Right. So how how do we reconcile those things? Also, also while reconciling it, uh, I, w- I definitely want to want Mike to answer. In yeah. That, oh but, yeah. Let me give but, you the right but, zinger. But while reconciling that, I also think it's important to, to stay away from the usual Christian apologetics methods. You know, I've heard this response to that question so many times. Well, do you know what those people were doing? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You, know, you know how why, evil they were? Uh, the Moloch and all of that stuff. And it's like, okay, that's cool. 
do we know that that's really the way every single person in in Canaan was? I don't think so. Yeah, you know, I don't think we know that. So yep. anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. I like it for anyone who's afraid. Totally that's about to come. Use, that was so Mike's. Thanks, that was Mike's direction. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for making me look Boom! smart by not using my my fastball there. <laughs> no, I mean, first of all, that's a hugely important question, um, and so so. You know, I, I I think the scriptures itself give clues to the to the resolution of it, and so here are clues. I don't know. Um, it, it's always tough when, by the standards of morality, three or four thousand years later, um, it, with a culture three or four thousand years removed, with differences, huge differences in langu- language and societal structure, and all of those sorts of things, it's it's tough. Um, to make to make really accurate moral judgments, because what the scriptures seem to teach is all the pictures of God that we get are true, but they're incomplete, and that the only full one we get is in Jesus. And so the scriptures itself say, "Listen, God spoke many times in many ways, but only Jesus is the exact representation of His being, the the true essence of His like inner self." Okay. So to me. The revelation of Jesus trumps any other revelation because that's the complete one. The other ones were true but incomplete. So is God unbelievably holy? Yes. So you get the image of the poor guy who you know puts his hand out to steady the Ark of the Covenant, you know, and he gets zapped. <laughs> and David's pissed and he's bummed and he's like, come on. And so he doesn't even bring the Ark back to Jerusalem. He's just like, really? Really, God? I'm just trying to honor you here. Uh, so is that picture of God true? Yes. He's unbelievably holy. Um, uh, in him, there is no darkness, blah, blah, blah. And that's not the only true picture. The only full picture we get is in Jesus. And so for me, I don't start with Old Testament God. I start with Jesus and then work backwards. Mm-hmm. So, so that's hugely important to me. My faith doesn't start in the Old Testament. My faith starts with Jesus and the New Testament writings about him. And then I go into the Old Testament. Make sense? Yeah, I, I guess I would ask just for the sake of, of maintaining this debate kind of forum. Do it, Mark. What verse would you point to to say, there's this by this authority, I say that Jesus is the final full picture of God. What, what verse would you say gives you that authority to say that? Beautiful. You know I mean? Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. All right, here we go. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Colossians 1, 15 and following. Colossians 2, 9 and following. Sucker. John 14. <laughs> if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Luke 10, yeah. where Jesus says, listen, the only one that reveals the Father is the Son who knows him. Oh, yeah. Suck on that, godless list. <laughs> so, so. But he doesn't uh, read the Bible, so it just doesn't matter. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it's for me. I, I think it's so unbelievably clear that what Jesus is doing is revealing the heart of the Father in ways the Father has never been revealed before. And one of the ways he does that is by calling God his Father. Mm-hmm. And so Israel was considered God's son, and they used Father language, but not like Jesus did. Israel um, was... Uh, so so if you look at the bi- biblical story at like the, the highest level, there, there were three God's sons, in the scriptures. One was Adam and and the first part of Genesis is about his failure. The second is Israel and that was about their collective failure to be God's son and then you have Jesus. 
And so the way God is interacting with Adam, um, with Israel, and then with Jesus, are it's all very revealing. And there, there's remarkable consistency across all of that. So there's much more mercy in the Old Testament than people give God credit for. And there's much more harsh in the New Testament than people give the New Testament hmm. credit for. I mean, you have Ananias and Sapphira who right, lie right. about giving and they just fall over dead in the early church. Where right? you've got Jesus saying things to the most esteemed religious leaders. So that'd be like us rebuking Billy Graham and Mother Teresa, right? When he's rebuking the Pharisees and calling them children of snakes and whitewashed tombs. I mean, they're so insulting. And so... Or Jesus, you know, using a whip to clear up the temple. You've got it's a it's a much it's a much more um, consistent picture, I think, than what people realize. So the first thing I'd say, and so I got three answers for you. First thing I'd say is, listen, the image of Jesus is the full revelation of the Father. All the other images are true but incomplete. And if there's ever an inconsistency between the image of God we see in Jesus crucified and other images of God. That's one of the ways I resolve it. It's just to say, listen, the final and fullest image of uh, of God that we've received is in this person, Jesus. And, and Jesus himself says that as well as the New Testament writers. Second thing I say is, and you were going there in the debate, and this is where we got onto the slavery thing, but God was always ahead of his time. In other words, even when God would give instructions, they were super revolutionary for the day. Okay. And and so you were starting to say that, and you were it's the slavery example is one of those. Um, how Israel was to take care of the prisoners of war they would take, right, um, right. Uh, the way women were to be treated. I mean, by our egalitarian standards, horrifying, but by the standards of the ancient Near East, hugely revolutionary. In almost every instance, you can say this was an advance on the current practice. And divorce was something you guys brought up as a concession that God would make to human hardness of heart. But his intention was always one man, one woman. And you brought up polygamy as a great example of God allowing our failure for the sake of our freedom, for the sake of our love of God freely given. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Yeah. I'm following you. Third, I'm just taking notes. So. Got <laughs> <laughs> it. Oh, Mark. You... Let's let's watch Mark's Twitter account after oh, this and see how Mark, much stuff we put together. I love you so much. <laughs> I just, I feel like we need to fly you out because this is your, this is your native land, bro. Out uh, here. This I'm Florida homesick. thing. I mean, that's old people. You're not old. Homesick. This is God's waiting room. I got here early and I don't, I have, I've read every magazine. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, uh, but we'd have so much fun, dude. So you need to come out. And if you come out, we need to fly you out. That's what we need. We need to collect $300 for a Southwest ticket. Yeah. Let's, hey, man. Let's do that. I have, I still have a voucher for Delta. I can fly out there on Delta's dime. Boom. <laughs> um, and, and, and we can just record podcasts and I'm all uh, right with that. And what kind of beer do you like? I mean, I think we had this conversation, but I forget what you said. I'm a rum drinker. Beer destroys my stomach. Although if I do have uh, a beer yeah. or two, mm. um, I prefer a very rich, mm. very chocolatey, very uh, oh, espresso-based stout. Nitro only, please. Don't, please mm. don't mess with the nitro-free stouts. Froth, frothing over here. What time is it? I want, to, <laughs> I want to set a penny on top of the foam. We're going to edit this out. Stay there.
because we we did a whole podcast on why Coors Light is the king of beers. So, oh lord, oh my god. So again, the authority of one man's opinion. <laughs> it's the similarity in Coors Light's packaging to the Ohio State uniform. That's exactly. The, oh, right. yes. Oh, finally, oh. someone caught it. Oh. Someone finally caught it. It's a no-brainer, man. Oh, that is genius. Oh, he's he's doing the. What are you doing right now? Because I'm, I'm yelling you down. Oh my goodness, bro! That was listen. That was worth the price of admission, and that's our title. Mark notices the similarity between the Coors Light can and the Ohio State University uniform. I love it. All right, and then here's the here's the the third thing I would say always in that context uh, is. It's ultimately a false dichotomy, and I've already hinted at this, is, it, is that there's more mercy in the Old Testament than we realize and and more judgment in the New than we realize. But it's it's all the story of grace, whether it's Adam, Abraham, Jacob, um, uh, Israel. It's al- always God would make a way for his people or anybody to call upon his name and to come back to him. And, uh, and that that story is universal and that's, and that's the story of covenant. These, these agreements God would make to put the world right now, the, the, the counter that Godless made to that way of thinking that I heard in the, in the podcast was, well, then how come he just doesn't do it all at once? Why don't you just start (laughs) with, with, uh, Hey, uh, no polygamy, no, um, no, whatever, Instead of working within the framework of fallen culture. And, and the answer for me is, well, God's a missionary God. And good missionaries know you don't go in and you, you don't fight secondary battles. The issue isn't how many people you're sleeping with. The issue isn't your sexual orientation. The issue is, is your heart, right? And and you Correct. can address all of the symptoms and never deal with the root. You can address. And what so what God's after in human history is a people gathered around himself pulled out of human history who freely have surrendered their rights to their lives and to whatever degree they think they have them uh, to uh, achieve with God his purposes uh, for the renewing of all creation. That's what he's after. He's not after souls in heaven. He's not after sin management. He's not after keeping you healthy and happy. What he's after are cooperative participants in the work of renewal. That's what. That's the. That's the reason he created. We we will be doing the work of renewal forever on a renewed earth. And and so for me, all of that, the fact that God actualized that kind of universe requires then that he work with us in the midst of our failures and screw-ups because he's given us freedom. Now, you could say, well, God should have done it differently. Okay. Great. (laughs) Show me the blueprint. Right. To which then I would go a little bit on offense and say, okay, well, let's talk about the world you would have actualized. Or let's talk about the worldview you have and why it is that you think that we have freedom and rationality and morality and we're just we're just human blobs. If right. if we're soulless, if we're mindless, and we're just our brains, if we're just our bodies, if this really just all evolved from nothing and will end up in nothing, then what right do you have to have even an opinion on this stuff? Right? I mean, if your if your right. brain is truly just the result of randomness, well, come on. So so at that point, I always just try to go. Well, all right. You, we've brought this conversation to an end. You object to the universe God made. Okay, right. the, let's talk. Let, let's talk about the universe you think exists 
and let's poke holes in that, right? Because that's right. not fully consistent either. And because it may be intellectually consistent to say, yep, there's no meaning, there's no purpose, there's no nothing, but nobody lives that way. Nobody lives that way. When you're in pain, <laughs> you're not sitting there saying, yep, this is for nothing. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning. You're looking for significance. That is just part of who we are. You cannot escape it. Huh. So anyway, that if, I mean, I, again, these conversations are always better had over Coors Light uh, and, uh, <laughs> and in boxer shorts in a jacuzzi, usually. <laughs> Among brothers. <laughs> See, Mike doesn't even wear trunks in a jacuzzi. Wow. He no, just, just goes. the boxers. <laughs> Super bummed right now. <laughs> yeah, you, actually, you should be. Because um, they're, very, I, they're very small boxers. Oh, no. <laughs> I think... I, <laughs> so... Did you finally find your, uh, your thong boxers? Wow, man. I know, dude. Congratulations. It, listen, <laughs> um... My my Australian friends call them banana hammocks. Yeah, plum smugglers. So, uh, you know, uh, the missus really likes this. I'm sure she does. And I think your mom will approve. (laughs) (laughs) I know my mom just goes, really? Can you try to be professional in any way, shape, or form? One thing I would just ask, I guess, or not be afraid to observe, is that with all of this morality and and, and all this moral subjective behavior, you know, and do we live like there's a purpose? I still think it all keeps going back to what I was trying to say. And I just don't know that I, I said it all that well, it, partially because when I listen back, it's like, I'm, I have to hear my voice and the sound of my voice talking. <laughs> totally. Sucks. I know. I, mean, I just, know. I think, what is that? I think you have a great voice. You listen and I listen back and I'm like, what am I? That's not even a word, man. You're just like <laughs> mumbling a couple syllables. You know, people have had to listen. All I can think is people have had to listen to that whenever they've talked to me for my whole life. Oh, jeez. Oh, no wonder I have no friends. <laughs> that is not true. Uh, when I listen to my voice, it's nasally and it, it just sounds... It sounds like the voice of a fat guy. <laughs> and and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that if I lose some weight, my voice will get a little more Eddie Vedderish. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. The of voice course. of a skinny guy. Be much better. I, uh, I, I just don't know that I'm ever gonna get there. Mine just sounds I still feel like I sound like that kid who was nicknamed Rainbow as a child. Like I'm <laughs> I still have this giant head, you know jacked up teeth we not always, a very strong neck and just you know i mostly just bounce around while i'm talking that's what like it sounds it. like it sounds like i'm i'm a bobblehead yeah. i would i would have been friends with somebody named rainbow i guarantee <laughs> that i guarantee because well. i had one friend his name was travis in the seventh grade and we just hung out we just were uh, we were just friends with each other we needed no one else so <laughs> rainbow could have joined that party Absolutely. I would have now, now back to the morality thing. What were you okay. trying to say? What I was trying to say was we, st- I still think the question that was never answered by him in particular, and I'm not trying to attack, but it's a question that doesn't ever get answered really. I mean, I've had this conversation many times regarding universal morality and, and if it's viable, you know, yeah. 
I still maintain that this is one area of offense that Christian people need to seize on like a pit bull because it's everything. It's all the stuff we're talking about. All the moral questions and moral quandaries that are being presented still fall under this thing of morality. And, you know, if God is a jerk, that's a moral observation that you're making. You know, that's a moral judgment that you're making. And so you still have to ask the question, where is the authority of this? Where, Where is this final question of morality? And like, do you think that that's a, that I have a point there. I mean, is that is that the way to go? I I'm, I don't know if I'm restating something that's been discussed already, but I I feel like it it's it bears specific focus that moral objectivity and moral relativism or subjectivity and relativism. I'm sorry to use those words. Whoa! Look those, at you, apologetics defender of the faith. <laughs> it's just bullshit, though, man. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't work. He brought up the example of the of the the nine eleven and the planes, right. you know, and to me, that's a great example of what I'm trying to say. It, it, do you agree with that? I mean, do you think I, I don't could I have stated that better? Because I feel all, like it's first a good of all, point. I agree that you're a good man and that you have a great voice. Secondly, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that I well, uh, yeah, personally, of course, I think. I think that um, we we make moral judgments all the time without realizing how they're grounded, you know. So so he was playing the empathy card that, and and you just want to say, well, what's that grounded in? Why? Right. Why? If, if if evolutionary psychology is how we're going to understand human uh, emotion and human mind, then what's empathy do for you? You know, there's just not a whole lot. I don't. If there's no to me intrinsic value in humanness then why not just use people right and a lot of us do you know even if we even if we claim kind of an objective sort of moral order um i always so so first of all are you onto something to me yes absolutely and 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 of course he would disagree and and the way the way he was answering was uh it seemed to be that morality is community defined but then, and this is where the 9-11 thing comes into play. Well, according to the community of the hijackers. Right, right. That was totally, that was not only, not only acceptable, it was praiseworthy. It was morally yeah. and religiously praiseworthy. And so if you're going to say it's community defined, in what way can you then critique another community? Right. right. And I almost feel we we already live in a world like that. Like it's not like... You know, if we look at it on that higher level of like if governments are defining how people exist in a space defined by rules and how we're supposed to treat each other, which is then justifiable by laws and ideas, that is a way that a community is trying to establish the best moral good based on its opinion in the collective of others. Right. So then, yeah, that's exactly it. Like you have Al Qaeda and Taliban. They decide, raise a ton of funding. Let's. This is what we believe in as the best moral truth that we can go by we need to wipe out the oppressor in this and we will validate that obviously we stand against that and we disagree it whether god is a part of the conversation or not just as humans they had their way we had our way how are we supposed to just sit down with them and say hey we're going to just disagree on these things let's come to some middle ground and universal truth that we should just exist and someone like godless could say well then the the christian morality is just another communal expression 
right? Of, right. Exactly. Of, you know, in the same way the Muslim reality um, is or Jewish reality or whatever. The problem is you have to stand somewhere outside of all of those to make that judgment. Right. And so, so ultimately, and again, here, I've just found when I go into this, people just don't care. I mean, at the end of the day, they don't care if, if they're, uh, view is, you know, not totally morally or intellectually consistent or whatever. It's just kind of like, no, this is just kind of what I think. And, and, and it's not a big deal. I remember I learned this early on with a buddy of mine who he was an atheist. I was a theist and, and we were in college and just had the greatest conversations. And there was one day I said, bro, if I could, if I could answer everything, would you, would you buy this? And he's like, no, no way. <laughs> he said, no, I, I, I want to sleep with my girlfriend. So, of course not. I'm not going to, even if you could answer all this stuff. And I realized, oh, okay. It just as it, as just as in like the, the point that there are emotional reasons that people follow Jesus in terms of wish fulfillment or guilt complex or whatever, that we would say, ah, that's probably not the best reason to follow Jesus. There, <laughs> there are those same reasons for being an atheist, right? Right, right. And, and so I just think, Whatever we're going to use, we got to be consistent with it. So if you're going to protest against the morality of God, which we, and here's what's interesting, bro. Um, I'm sure you've noticed this, but the objections today against following Jesus aren't intellectual as much as they are moral. So following Jesus makes you a worse kind of person is the argument because God, right. there was a book written several years ago. It was called Searching for a Better God. And, and, and the assumption the guy was making is, listen, God... God has been found guilty by our modern sense of morality. God hmm. is not egalitarian. He's not democratic. God is not um, peaceable. According to this narrative, you know, God is judgmental. God is mean. I mean, it's, it's fascinating because you were getting all of that, right? And mm -hmm. you're playing the card of saying, well, how can you make those judgments? You have nothing to stand on. And he's saying, well, it's just community-based. So, of course, you were onto something, dude. Of course. The issue is, let's say you would have said it, great. Would that have mattered? No. Nope. <laughs> so, you know, so it's it's like... I just wish I, I had know, said it great, though. I know, bro. See, I, even after we, we finish this podcast, I, I can't go back and listen to any of them. Because I will literally just beat uh, myself up with, oh, I should have said this. And I could have said that better. I just can literally cannot go back and listen. Because I, 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 so I totally know that feeling and I hate it. I hate it. So I, I don't ever go back. Andy goes back to edit them. Bless you, Andy. <laughs> I don't. And, I, and, and one of the things I love about the podcast format is there's a built-in grace there because it's conversational and it's, you know, so when you guys were getting into this debate, I can see where that was a bit confusing because you thought we're on a podcast. We're not even in the same room together. You don't know who this right. person is. And you're being put on the spot with some, you know, some, some pretty intense questions. So I, I, you know, I get that there, there was a bit of like, oh, oh, this is something totally different. Oh yeah, dude. I brought a, I brought a bag of chips and some soda to a knife. <laughs> <laughs> but, but even if you would have brought knives, see, see what I want to, what I want to just keep holding before you, Mark. And, and again, who am I? Is just the idea that you didn't fail. Um, that you were trying to preserve the dignity of, of this other person. You, so you were not doing ad hominems. You weren't attacking him. You were respecting him. 
and you were trying to uphold the integrity of your positions. And, and so, bro, I, again, I, I just kind of felt like I'm glad you brought chips in a drink because as you said, I used to be an apologetics guy. That's not, I just don't think that's effective. I think that is really helpful for Christians who believe they want to know why they believe. Great. But I don't right, find right. non-Christians asking any of those questions. Hey, give me the evidence for the resurrection. Hey, show me miracles exist. Nope. They're all this moral uh, stuff that, that God isn't as moral as they are. And, and I, and so hmm. I think that, that the fact that, that the podcast spent so much time kind of exploring that, I think that was a great thing. I think that's really helpful because that's how those conversations go anymore. Yeah. Oh yeah. There it's, I mean, every person, as we've discussed over and over now, and you walk away and I should have said this, every person that finds themselves pretty much in that scenario, it started off one way. Like, you know, for instance, bellied up right, at a bar, right. having a drink, you're talking about, you know, the game, then all of a sudden politics are involved. And then suddenly this dude is a moral monster. That's how it yeah. always yep. happens. And so bringing back, so and, bringing uh, chips in a drink, that's not always a bad thing, man. That's not always <laughs> a bad thing, but in a real public forum like that, I get it. I yeah. get it. And it's just, it's not a, it may not be a bad thing, but it didn't do anything for my ego. I definitely <laughs> sprained my ego on that one. <laughs> yes. But you know what, dude, it, it's, uh, I think there's something, something beautiful about, and, and it was really funny because I, you know, I know you a little bit and we've talked a couple of times. And so I was, you know, I'm, I'm a, a pretty huge Mark fan, um, but Sweet. I loved, I just loved <laughs> the approach you were bringing, especially in the first part of the episode, when you're just kind of there with your chips and your drink, just kind of cheering everything on. Uh, and then it flips in part two. And it's like, oh, oh, it's a knife fight. And, oh, shit. And, what is happening right now? You hear the tunnel vision sort of click in and you can hear, you know, it's so great, <laughs> dude. It's so great. So it's so it not great. great. Man. It is great. <laughs> It was such a bummer, man. I, I, I've been in that scenario so many times and I can just, the picture of me sitting there with chip crumbs all over my shirt <laughs> and like my mouth open, like, wait, a, uh, uh, but I thought we're not going to the movies. Like, you know, like it was just, it was, well, I, I, we, it was yeah, a bummer. I mean, we got to affirm it, man. Like I, I, Friends that I've talked to, they expect the opposite. They expect getting into conversations with Christians turn into knife fights. They, yeah. you know, they go into it being just like, dude, like this guy said this and said that. Like I couldn't even have a real conversation because all he was saying was these things about how can you believe this and how can you believe that. And it, it's in my experience, even with other Christians I'm friends with, that that's even been my own conversation. I'm like, man, like we we all should be bringing chips and a soda to these instead. Yep. Yeah. So so, yeah. I I just think, hey, and what would be fun? Mark is let's do another one of these and, and let's, uh, let's try to find, um, let's try to find somebody who would disagree, uh, with us and (laughs) and let's have a, let's have a chips and a drink conversation. (laughs) I'm getting my stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, I'll tell you what I, I, what we can do is we can do that whenever you're ready. I'll probably be a lot quieter. Um, but also, uh, you know, as I was explaining to Andy, uh, there's a there's an episode that will of mine that will either come out right before or right after this that where I have 
some political discussion has Ooh. to be made and statements oh, have man. to be made. Maybe uh, may I may get a call from you <laughs> after that. I don't know. We'll see. You know, I like we'll it. So, so, but, but you're you're from just our conversation. You're voting for Trump, and so oh I'm my God. I'm proud of you for oh. sticking to your convictions. Um, oh yeah, and yeah. and Florida. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> isn't isn't uh, I thought Donald was our savior. So so wow. I, um, oh man, <laughs> I think we'd have a great conversation. I think we'd have a great conversation. I've always wanted to talk to. Well, a, I've always wanted to talk to a real live the... Donald Trump supporter. Yeah, uh, you may need to continue <laughs> searching. <laughs> I mean, obviously, our conversation now is is over. But as far as this podcast was concerned, but I will say. On the podcast ellipse thing that I, I mentioned to Andy, um, there's this thing I do called podcast ellipse with Billy Power and with Mike Lewis, and and we're we're all three very similar and also very different kinds of people, and that during that conversation the discussion came up as to what the real appeal of Donald Trump oh, is. Oh, that's a great one. I think you might yep. want to. Yep. <laughs> Just. My 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 take was somewhat controversial. Oh, I love it. Well, but I live in in Florida, land. Oh of my Trump, goodness, you so. do. Oh, bro. You know. Yes, you do. So, Mark. So listen. I want you. I just wanted to say thank you because this was freaking great, dude. I mean, this was so awesome. Oh, yeah. So this this was great. Very Again, blessed. Mark, thanks for reaching out to us. Like, uh, um, you know, I, I've heard you on a few of the other shows that I listened to. I was super yeah. ecstatic that you reached out. You know, I have a connection to you with my own musical interests and background. Um, and uh, you know, real fast, just for our listeners, if you can just give us a little more about um, what you're doing, uh, what your podcast is, and how people can uh, find oh, out more sure. about you. Sure. Well, I mean. I'm still a musician. I, you know, I'm, I'm still the singer of Stavesacre. We're doing a new record, but I'm, I, I'm always doing something. And currently, I, I run a podcast called Never Was, which basically talks about what happens to you after your dreams die. So, <laughs> <laughs> when you don't even have that's the glory the, days. That's not the pitch I give <laughs> to that's, people because no one's ever super eager to talk about awesome. that. But really, I like... I am fascinated by finding out what happens to oh. people after the whatever brushes with success they have, you know, musically, oh, as, as far as actors might be it. concerned, artists, any kind of art form or thing that requires a little bit of yeah. risk, a person putting themselves out there and trying to, to, you know, quote unquote, make it. And then, you know, what happens after, even if you do make it, what happens after it. that? You know, we have this kind it. of... Hollywood vision of of the way life goes. There is no sunset. No one rides off into it, dude. There's a dude. cliff. There's burning fire. You know. If you ever if if you ever want or, a pastor failure, I can do one of those. Never was Joel Osteen. Hey, we'll, we'll we'll do a never was. We'll do a never was with you. That would be great. That would be awesome. Never was skinny. Never. <laughs> I have never been skinny in my exactly. entire life. Ever. See. Mark, you're a good man. It is so fun. And what an honor, dude. Oh, you guys are Seriously. Great. What an honor. Likewise. Likewise. I'm I'm super stoked. My wife is gonna be super stoked, which again makes me doubly stoked. So thanks guys. Love you very Love you much. Too, man. I hope equally. you have a great day today. Hey, likewise. Likewise. Talk soon. All right, buddy. So there we go. Um 
we'll, I, I can't listen to this and not have <laughs> things I would have rather said differently. But again, just kudos to Mark. Um, what a great guy and, and how fun to be able to revisit a conversation. I think we all, like I said before, have those conversations we'd love to, to revisit. And, and so often when we're in those situations, um, wishing, you know, we, we would be a little quicker on our feet. I, I just think if, if we're going to make a mistake, let's make a mistake with, you know, uh, like chips in a drink. Right. <laughs> and not, and not, not knife in the knife fight. So, um, so I just want to, uh, I want to bless you. And it was so fun. I heard, um, uh, Ron Mitchell, Ron, if you're out there, this is for you. Justin says, hi. Um, and told us you were tuning in, which I absolutely love. And people now are going to, I get so many requests for shout outs. It's ridiculous, but Ron, <laughs> you get a shout out. Uh, and I also hear that uh, we have some atheists who listen, but they, they, they skip it at this part when I pray. So I love that. So, so here, you don't have to skip this one. All right. So here is my prayer and my blessing. Are you ready for atheists? This is for you. Jesus, take the wheel. All right. That's all I got. Jesus, take the wheel. See, that didn't hurt. Um, especially if you're driving, Jesus, take the wheel. Right now, right now, take the wheel. <laughs> so um, uh, Facebook, uh, voxoc.com, Subversive Kingdom, Twitter. Uh, we love hearing what you're thinking. Uh, and uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to, to be a part of your life. So until next time. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Erie podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Geary. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope at Mike Geary for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit subversivekingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.